Mark chapter 5, reading at verse 21. Jesus crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, and a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. Then one of the synagogue officials named Jairus, Jairus came and he saw Jesus and he fell at his feet and he begged anxiously with him saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed him and pressed in around him from all sides. And for the sake of me starting this tape late, uh, the title is Daughters, He Sees You. So let's look at Jairus. Jairus, he may have been a synagogue official, but right now he was a dad. He was a father. And so he was so desperate. He loved his only daughter. And he was willing to do anything uh, to get her to be healed. And he heard about Jesus. And so he fell at, at Jesus' feet and he says, can you please come to my house and heal my daughter because she is dying. <clears throat> so Jesus had compassion and he went and he agreed to go to Jarius's house. But there's a delay or an interruption on his journey and Jesus stops. So let's continue reading. A large crowd followed and pressed in around him. Verse 25 says, and a woman in the crowd was there who had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much suffering at the hands of many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but instead of getting better, she grew worse. So this woman, we don't know her name. It wasn't mentioned. Instead, she is actually identified by her issue because we know her as, this is the story about the woman with the issue of blood. And so that is how she is identified. And the world that we live in now, this world, we are in an identity crisis. I tell you what, people don't know who they are. They don't know, um, you know, they're looking for their identity in other people. Uh, they're looking for their identity in other things. Their, their identity is who other people say they are. It's what they've gone through in their past. It might be what they're going through now. Our society don't know who they are. They're just trying to be loved and accepted by somebody. And so we really are in a state of identity crisis within the United States of America and throughout this world. And so that's why we felt it so important to talk about the freedom in Christ and how important it is for us as Christians, as women, to know who we are, who our true identity. A lot of the times we know that, that my identity isn't in God, but we don't believe it. We have a hard time believing what God says about us, but he says we're loved, we're accepted, we're chosen, we're forgiven, we're daughters. And so he takes great delight in you. And the scripture in Zephaniah 3.17 says, He takes great delight and he will rejoice over you with singing. That's how much God loves us. He rejoices over you with singing. And so this woman, again, she was subject to bleeding. Her days turned into weeks. Her weeks turned into months. Her months turned into years. 
And we kind of did the math on all this. If you figure out how long a woman's cycle is per month and times that by 12 and by then do it by 12, it ends up being that she, was been, she had been bleeding for 4,380 days. Think about being on your period for 4,380 days. She went to one doctor after another doctor. She went, so no one could help her. It was 12 long years. She was considered an outcast because if you were bleeding, you couldn't be around people. You couldn't sit on anything because everything would be considered unclean. And so that was according to that Jewish law. So she couldn't go out in public. It was forbidden. The consequence of her doing so could mean her being stoned. Jairus, he was one of the synagogue leaders that could actually had been the one to order judgment upon her to be stoned. So you can imagine the loneliness and the shame of just being excluded. And it didn't mention that she was married. It didn't mention anything about her family because most of the time they were outcasts. They had to be on the outside of town. They had to be alone. They couldn't mingle. They couldn't shop. And even uh, to go and draw water, they would have to do that in, in the nighttime when no one was around. So you can imagine bleeding for so long how anemic she must have been. And so she carried that exhaustion, that tiredness for 12 years. <clears throat> The other thing that I saw with her, though, is that she was determined. She didn't accept her condition because it says that she continued to fight because she went to doctor after doctor because she was trying to get hope that someone would help heal her physical body and to ease the pain that she felt every day. And she paid so much money searching for a cure that she ran out of money. Sickness is a thief. It kills, it steals, and it destroys. And we got to remember, God never puts sickness on anyone. I, you know, I hate it when I hear, oh, well, you know, God probably put that on. No, sickness, God does not put sickness on anyone. He came to heal the sick. He didn't come to put it on us. So I just, mm, it just irks me when people say that. Just like, no, he does not. So, but one day, she heard of a miracle. She heard of a miracle working man named Jesus who was in town who could heal the sick. Remember, she was putting herself at tremendous risk to get her miracle. She was considered unclean, but today nothing was going to stop her. Today she determined that she was going to receive her healing. She was going to come out of isolation and she was going to fight with all the life and strength and determination she had to push through the crowds because she was desperate. She had hope, and she was about to meet her great physician. So let's continue reading verse 27. It says, she had heard reports about Jesus. So write this down. The first thing she did, she heard about Jesus, a man who heals the sick. Someone was giving their testimony. You don't, so many times I get up here and I want people to share their testimony because it's so valuable, because it brings up hope in other people to go, wow, awesome, God is working. He, he healed you from that? I mean, it just builds up our faith. It builds up our hope. So she was listening to someone. 
And again, she had to have been listening from afar off to hear about Jesus. But she also chose to believe what she heard about Jesus. That's very important. Not only did she hear it, she believed what she heard about him. And she could have thought, you know, what's the point? I've been in this condition for so long. I've gone to physician after physician. No one's helped me. This Jesus is no better than, than them. There's no way, you know, I'm doomed to die. I'm doomed to, to die in this, this uh, situation that I'm in with this illness. But she didn't think that. She heard and she believed. So if you want to receive from God, you've got to go after it. She was in the right place at the right time, hearing about the healings of Jesus, and now she had made a decision. She was going to go where Jesus was, and she was going to search for him and find him. And as I was thinking about this, I'm like, I've been in um, many services where the Holy Spirit just falls in the in the church, and you can visibly see that you know there may, may be a person just crying and weeping and just receiving all, and then you know you go out, and then this next person's like, "I didn't feel a thing. I didn't feel nothing. Was God really there?" You know, I'm telling you what, one person taps in to the presence of God. One person that's so hungry to receive all from God, and the other one has got this, these walls built up thinking, God doesn't see me. I'm not important to him. You know, that's the difference in the two people in the same service when God can move. And so don't let the enemy um, get you to that point where you're feeling like you're not important, that God doesn't see you. He wants, the enemy wants to keep you isolated. He wants you in that state of mind that you're not going to get delivered, you're not going to receive from God. He's gonna fill your mind with lies, he's gonna fill your mind with excuses. He wants you to stay home, he doesn't want you to get go to church. How many times have you woke up on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday and you're like, I really don't feel like going to church. Well, guess what, that's not from God because God is not gonna tell you not to go to his house. It's the enemy. He's when he, he knows that you're going to receive something. And so what voice are you listening to? Who are you going to give in to? Man, I want all that God has for me. Faith gets you out of the house. So all the weakness that she was feeling in her body was enough to keep her bound at home by her illness. But she, what she believed was better than what she felt. And I'm going to say that again. What she believed was better than what she felt. So her miracle began by her choosing to believe and then she took action. The last teaching uh, that I taught on, many of you were here, we talked about the Shunammite woman and how um, she didn't make preparations for a burial, but she made preparations for a miracle that when her son died, she laid him in that room that she had um, built for Elisha. And so, our beliefs are things that we're totally convinced of. And so the enemy wants to get in there and convince you of the wrong thinking. He wants to convince you of the lies that are in there. And he wants us to come into agreement with that. But we've got to come in agreement with the word of God. It says in Romans ten seventeen, and Sharon has, has preached this and said the scripture so many times, faith 
comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so this woman with the issue of blood, her faith was activated by what she heard, and it took someone's testimony of hearing their story, believing what Jesus did, and you got to know that your story is important. It has to be shared. Those people who feel like no one understands what they're going through might hear your testimony and go, wow, I guess someone else has walked in my shoes. I am not alone. There is hope for me. What she heard, she believed. Faith was moving her into action to go to the man of God who could change her identity. So Jesus is the one she had been really searching for all those 12 years. And today she was going to grab hold of her miracle. So let's continue reading at verse 27. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. Now, I stopped here because I kept thinking the crowds. I'm like, well, how many people were there? You know, so I began looking at commentaries. And if, if you'll remember most of the stories in the Bible, like Jesus feeding the 5,000, there were large crowds that followed Jesus. And they say most of them were no, um, the minimum was between five to 10,000 people that was always around Jesus. Because when the word got out, people came from all over just to, to, to get to him. And it did say that the crowd was pressing in. So, Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14 says, you will seek me and find me when you search with me, search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Verse 27 says, She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his outer robe, for she thought, If I just touch his clothing, I will get well. Immediately her blood stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed from her suffering. Immediately, Jesus recognized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in around you, and you ask who touched me? Still, Jesus kept looking around to see the woman who had done it. So he knew it was a woman. And the woman, though she was afraid and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell before him and told him the whole truth. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has restored you to health. Go in peace. And the Amplified says, Be permanently healed from your suffering. So a few things I saw in this passage of Scripture within the story is, Again, so many people were pressing into Jesus. They were touching him. But this woman touched Jesus by her faith. Jesus responds to faith no matter how small it might be. No matter how small you think your faith is, he will respond to it. There were others in the crowd who were close to Jesus and even pressing into him. But it didn't say anything within scripture that they received a miracle. Later in the scriptures, it talks about her story got out. 
about her touching the hem of his garment. And then everybody began touching his clothes. And then at that point it says, everyone who touched him was then healed. So that's my interpretation. That's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking. If you, if you have something else, definitely tell me. Because I, I was praying about that. I'm like, God, I can't, I can't. I'm trying to understand if other people were around. Did they? I, I would think that they would have gotten healed too. But it didn't address anything in that. And maybe it wasn't important at this, this point in the scripture. But it was later. So I was just like, hmm. You know, how many times, again, if you're sitting in a service, there's some people that won't get the healing or the touch they, that they need. Other, and then another person will. So it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Just kind of think about those things. So um, so she tapped in. She's pressing in to receive all that God has for her. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Genesis 28, 16 this is telling the story about Jacob and when he had his dream and he saw the ladder and things descending. And when he woke up from that dream, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't even know it. I don't know about you, but man, I don't want to be unmoved by the presence of God. I don't want to sit here and say, wow, I didn't even know he was here and not to experience his presence and his his outpouring of his spirit in my life. I want to continue to hunger and thirst for the things of God. I don't want to just say, you know, I've got what I want now. I've lived half my life. No, I want to continue to hunger and thirst for God. He's got stuff for you. He's got stuff for me that he wants to pour into our lives. So continue hungering and thirsting after the things of God. He wants to bless us. I want the kind of faith that has the dunamis power of God. And if you go into the Greek, that's what it, what it said when, when he felt the power come out of him. It was the dunamis power of God. That is the greatest power that can come forth. And so I want that dunamis power released in my life. And I know you guys do too. We want to have that released through us. This is also the only place in the Bible that I could find where Jesus actually acknowledges about the power of God had gone out of him. There's no other place where he says the power of God has gone out of me. He didn't initiate the release of power. The daughter of faith tapped into something. And so Jesus, again, people were around him he was unaware of this woman until the power was released to her. She came up from behind. It was just a tassel. It was just the edge of his robe. He didn't know that this woman, I, that's my feelings. I don't believe he knew that it was this woman until he felt that virtue and that power go out of him. And he goes, someone drew this power from me. But he knew it was a woman. And so it was through her faith that that power was released. Man, I want to tap into that. Man, can you imagine? 
Because he did. He said, wow, the power has come out of me. Today we have to believe, though, yes. that it's being done. Absolutely. Then, you can touch him and see it being done. Mm -hmm. Today it depends on our belief. Mm -hmm. The... Uh, the other one, because I, when I started thinking about that, kind of like what you're saying, Barb, is I began to look at in scripture of all the stories about the healings that were taking place and, and how people approached Jesus. And with her, her, her measure of faith was at first she thought, if I just touch his clothing, I will be healed. Then Jairus, his faith, he fell at Jesus' feet in front of him and said, come to my house and lay hands on her, and I know that my daughter will recover and she'll be healed. And then the story about the centurion soldier, if you guys remember that one, he, he told Jesus, he said, man, I have, I have a paralyzed servant at home, but you don't need to come to my house. Just say the word that he's healed, and I know it will be done. Look at the differences and and their their faith and their levels of faith um, another one was the two blind men that were at the gate and they were crying out to jesus and saying have mercy on us and jesus he went past them and they cried out louder and finally he stopped and he said do you believe that i can do this yes lord they said to him he touched their eyes and said let it be done according to your faith. Let it be done according to your faith. So think about each one of those people. If I just touch it, God, come to my house, lay hands, just say the word. See the different levels of faith that each person had. And God honors whatever level of faith that you have. Some may think that that's little, but God acknowledges their faith. Every person that had great faith, he acknowledged them. It's never before have I seen such faith. Let it be done to you. And so that's what I want. I want God to look down upon me and say, Wow, Janice, what great faith you have. So be it. Whatever you're asking for, yes. What great faith. And so that's my heart's desire. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God <laughs> because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and then he rewards those who diligently seek him. And so we know that faith moves the heart of God. It moves it. It moves him. And it, we can't just, there's a lot of people out there like, well, Oprah, you know, I believe there is a, a form of God you know, but I'll tell you what, if you don't believe in the God, whew, you're missing out. You're missing out on his blessings. You're missing out on everything that he has for you. So many people, it says in the scripture that many will, will say, well, God, I knew you. No, depart from me for I never knew you. Everybody's misconception of who a God is, their idols and things that they worship. It's not the true Jehovah God who created the heavens and the earth. So she came up from behind Jesus, not wanting to be seen. She wanted to receive all that she needed in secret without anybody knowing. But she had faith enough to come 
but would she have the courage to confess? So Jesus kept asking, who touched me? And the woman finally fell at Jesus' feet, trembling with fear. She wasn't quick to come forward, but she knew that by her being there among the crowd, she had actually violated the Jewish law. Again, we talked about that earlier by coming in amongst the crowd, especially with Jairus standing right next to Jesus, who could sentence her to the stoning because of her coming out in public. But even though she wanted to be hidden, Jesus put her out there in front and says, no longer are you going to be coming and approaching me from the back. I have got something. I've got, I, I've got you, and I'm going to call it forth. And so he says that he wanted her to explain, basically, she needed to give her testimony. He wanted everyone around to hear her testimony. And it says that she told the whole truth. So think about this. You know, when our husbands or the men in our life, when they tell a story, it's like a minute long. Man, when us women tell a story, hey, there's some details here. We can't when I'm studying the Word of God, I'm like, I got to have the details. What, well, how are they feeling? What happened before this? And so I want the details and everything. So we know that this story took some time. <laughs> it wasn't just a quick five minutes. It took some time because she told the whole story of what had transpired in that 12 years of what she went through. And so everybody heard it. But it says... Um, she was no longer identified by her past any longer. She didn't have to hide any longer because of Jesus calling her out in the crowd. She acted on her faith. And she, but, and the other part that I, I looked at here too, is Jesus didn't condemn her for the way that she came to him either. Did not condemn her, did not say anything about it. But you know that everybody else was thinking that that around there. They're, now they're thinking like they're probably looking at their their arms and thinking, oh no, I got to go home to bathe, and and then I have to be, you know, for seven days or whatever their rituals were. You know, a lot of them were probably thinking that. <clears throat> but she was not condemned for the manner in which she did it. But she has a new identity. She is known now in front of the entire crowd as his daughter. So she is the only person in the Gospels that I was reading where Jesus calls her daughter. The only person in the Gospels he calls her daughter. And I started thinking about how, you know, she didn't have anyone. Um, Jairus, uh, he was a father and showed up on behalf of his daughter but she didn't have anybody. There was no family members that came on her behalf. We know that there's a lot of uh, stories within the Bible that people did come and said, hey, I need you to come. And you know, I have, I have my friend that's sick, I need you to come. They tore down and put holes in the roof. You know, so there was always somebody helping to advocate for their healing, but not her. There was no one that would advocate on her behalf. No member to appeal on her behalf. So I'm going to read verse 34 again. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith, and I love this part in the Amplified, it says, Your personal trust and confidence in me 
has restored you to health. Go in peace and be healed from your suffering. So with one word, he claims her as his own. And it's as if Jesus was saying to her, you may have had a father's rejection. You may have been abandoned. You may have, but now you have me as your father. I'm your advocate. I'm here for you. You're not alone. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to I'm going to cherish you. Everything good in a father that you missed out on in these last 12 years, you're going to have now in me. I'm going to be your father, and you're going to be my daughter. And so he acknowledges and rewards her publicly. She Remember, in the Passion Bible, it says she dared yeah. to believe. Yeah, she dared to believe. And so he rewards her publicly. Remember, she went there not wanting to be seen. <laughs> so many times people are sitting in the background, they're like, I'm just wanting to blend in. No, God doesn't want you to blend in. He wants you to stand out. And so he rewards her and he tells her to go in peace and be healed from your suffering. Now, when I started reading that, I'm like, now, why would he say be healed from your suffering? Because he knew the moment that she touched him, that the power and the virtue had flowed out of him. And she even said, instantly, she knew when she touched him, she was healed. So why, so I'm sitting here going, okay, so why did he say to go in peace? I kind of understand a little bit, and I'll talk about that. But be healed from your suffering. So I'm like, hmm. I don't think the suffering means her physical illness. There's a deeper suffering here. And so when she was telling her story, when everyone was listening, I believe that she, within her story, talked about the guilt, the shame, the pain, the isolation, can you imagine, I mean, what that does to your spirit? And so, you know, a lot of times with the freedom in Christ, there's so much hurt, so much rejection, and you got to work through those things. And you have to forgive a lot of people in order to get your healing. And so I think that's part of the suffering because she was hurting. She had been hurting for a long time. The, the doctors that she went through made her worse made her worse it said it was it was worse off when she went to them and so there's a lot emotionally and that she was really dealing with let alone just the physicalness of what she was going through and so i believe when he said her suffering he was healing her soul her spirit and her body again i know Pastor Barry's going to be preaching on that. It's so important to have those three things in harmony and to be healed and whole. And I believe that's what he meant by being healed from her suffering. So with one proclamation, all the lies, the shame, the hurt uh, that was attached to her illness as a forgotten daughter are now being spoken publicly as his daughter. So the whole story was said, I believe, also for the benefit of the whole crowd to let them know, I claim her. She has been made whole and she is clean and she is my daughter. He restored her reputation. He restored her back to society where they were outcasting her. 
and where she did not fit in and she wasn't uh, able to be a part of that so much rejection that she had. Jesus has the power to restore us, to make us whole where our fathers, our mothers, and even our family members, despite their best or their worst efforts, have failed us. And I know a lot of people um, didn't have a great home life, and it was very hard, and many people have to work through that. But we gotta know that Jesus, man, God is our Father, and he loves us, and he will never fail us. So he assures her of her healing, not only her physical healing, but her spiritual healing and, and why she was healed. And so he said, he said to her why she was healed, he says, your faith has made you well. So he reassured her and her thinking and how she approached Jesus he let her know your faith has made you well. And so he reassures her of an ongoing healing because again, when we think we've forgiven people, it's an ongoing process, isn't it? It's ongoing. And so he wanted to let her know that it is an ongoing healing that he's gonna be doing in her life. And that, um, he wanted to take her fear away because the next point he said to go in peace. And so she heard, she believed, she reacted, she tapped into the power of God. He changed her identity. She was forever healed, forever restored. And peace comes from knowing who you are in Christ. It's understanding your purpose. It's understanding a God that loves you and knowing that he is working all things together for your good, no matter what you're going through. And he was there to restore all that she lost. And I think that was part of that too. Everything, she lost it all, all her money. And Jesus was even going to restore that back to her. Because that's the kind of God he is. <laughs> Can you say that again? <clears throat> she heard, she believed, and what else? She reached out. So that was the faith in action. She could have stayed home, but she didn't. She chose. She knew she had to touch. So she reached out and grabbed hold of what she knew because she heard, if I just, and, and that thought came in, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. So that was her faith. It was her going and getting in action because she could have stayed home. You can imagine how weak she was and all the strength that it took for her to press in through that crowd, the crowd, the huge crowd. She had to keep wiggling her way in because you know that Jesus was in the middle and the crowd surrounded him. The work that she had to go through just to get to Jesus, she didn't give up. She continued to press on and press in. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so like God to restore her in the crowd. Yes. Telling the crowd, go, be in peace, you are healed. Mm -hmm. No one in that crowd could come against her after exactly. Jesus spoke. Absolutely. And if they dared, they would remember what he said. Mm -hmm. How can you argue with the man of God? Mm -mm. How can you argue with the word? Exactly. That's why that's that's why I thought it was so important that again this is the only part in in the gospels where he called her daughter. That was important 
That's why it's there. And it was important for her. And so many times we get to the point where God's got a specific word for each of you. And he does. He calls you daughter. And it is, it is a form of him loving you. It's a form of adoration. And so he claims you as his own. So, yes, that was very good. So while this is all taking place, let's continue to read on because we got to get to Jairus. So verse 35, it says, While he was still speaking, some people came from the synagogue official's house, saying to Jairus, Your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? Overhearing what was being said, Jesus said to the synagogue official, Don't be afraid. Only keep on believing. And the Amplified says, in me and my power. So because of the interruption, because of the time that Jesus took to minister to this woman, it appears Jesus didn't make it in time to get to Jairus' house to heal his daughter because now she has died. Sometimes our disappointments can be God's divine appointments. So we got to remember, sometimes our disappointments can be God's divine appointment. And so Jairus' reaction to the news of his daughter's death is outwardly seen by Jesus. And so, because Jesus turns to him and he reminds him, number one, Jairus, do not be afraid. Fear and faith cannot work together. You got to cast one of them out. They will not work together. And the second thing, again, Jesus told Jairus, he said, keep on believing. So Jesus is saying with, when fear comes, the way that you attack this is to get your focus on him, believing in him. And so Jairus is supposed to just believe the words of Jesus. That's enough for me. If Jesus was in front of me and he spoke something to me, that's enough. I know. I know. And see, and we got to get to the place that even though we, we think that Jesus is not physically here, oh, he is everywhere. He is here. We may not physically see him with our eyes, but we can feel his presence. He's here. He's here. And so um, everything else... All the people that was coming to him saying, don't worry the teacher anymore. Don't, don't worry about him. Everything else told him that the situation was hopeless. But Jesus' words brought hope to this father. It brought hope to him. So Jairus is about ready to see and hear. Remember back to my story about the Shunammite. So he's about to see and hear those people who are already preparing for a burial when he's hand in hand with Jesus and they're getting ready to witness a miracle. And so let's read at verse 37. It says, And he allowed no one to go with him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the synagogue official, and he looked at, an up, he looked at the uproar and the commotion and the people loudly weeping and wailing in mourning. And when he had gone in... He said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but is sleeping. 
And so they began laughing scornfully at him because they knew that the child was dead. But he made them all go outside. And he took along the child's father and mother and again his three companions. And they entered the room where the child was. Taking the child's hand, he said to her, Talita kum, which translated from the Aramaic means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And the little girl immediately got up and began to walk. This is where it says how old she was, for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were overcome with great wonder and utter amazement. And he gave strict orders that no one should know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. So a few things that I saw in this portion is, again, the timing of Jesus. He took time. He valued each need that was coming to him. So he didn't tell the woman, hey, I'll get to you in a minute. I'm on my way to Jairus' house. You know, he took the time. And so I also remember the story of Lazarus. Remember when um, they said that he was sick and Jesus stayed there, I think it was four days. And so, um, and he even told his disciples when he was getting ready to head there, he goes, well, Lazarus is sleeping. And they're, they're like, well, then what's our hurry? You know, the disciples are like, what, what's, our, what's the hurry? But Jesus knew in him, he was sleeping. They didn't know until they got there that he had been dead for four days. And so um, he told all the mourners, he told all the scoffers to go outside. Sometimes you have to get away from the people who are not in agreement with what your faith is standing on. So you have to shut them out and walk away from them. You have to close the door. You have to get alone with God and you have to listen to his voice. And it's and uh, the voice, his voice keeps reminding you, do not be afraid, only keep believing. So don't let what you're going through, don't let the disappointments of what you're going through affect your faith. Don't let others' negativity affect your faith because fear will usually begin to set in during the delay period and the time when the promise is given and when the promise is fulfilled. So that's usually when fear comes in because it, it's take, you're like, well, it's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. I've been waiting so long, you know? And so that's when fear comes in and says, no, you're not gonna get healed. Look how long you've been praying for this. You're still going to the doctor for this. They still say you have diabetes. All this stuff comes in and you're like, no, you know? And so Jesus told Jairus, that's the other thing. He, he wanted to remind him. Remember, Jesus told Jairus that he would heal his daughter. He told him that. And nothing was going to change that. It didn't matter what they were coming and telling him and saying, don't even bother him anymore. No, Jesus still had a mission. He had promised him what he was going to do. And Jesus does not go back on his word. He does not go back on his word. And so he wants to move us out of fear and into faith. And it's faith in him and what he says and the truth of his word. And so when the distractions tried to get his attention and those people were telling him and you, you could hear the mourners, 
I love this. Remember the song that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. So immediately when they said the negative that his daughter was dead, his face, but Jesus looked at him, made eye contact and said, just keep believing. That's what you need. That's what you need. It reassured him. It put him back. It cast out that fear and put that faith. It activated the faith once again in him to believe what Jesus was telling him. Janice, it says in the, uh, in the Passion, it says, don't yield to fear. Don't yield, yes. Yeah. yeah, don't yield to it. Don't yes, yield. absolutely. Because it wants you to stay and not press and to go forward. Yield, usually you have to kind of slow down. No, we're going to keep going. I'm going to go through those yield signs. <laughs> I'm going to keep pressing on toward the promise, what God has said and what he's spoken my life. And I know you're going to do that with what he's spoken in your life. He's not going to go back on his word. It was him just basically with that visual saying, trust me. Trust me, I'm here. I've got this. All things are in my control. They don't get it. But you get it. You've got the faith to trust in me. So don't give up no matter how painful what you're going through is happening. Keep moving forward. Scripture says to fight the good fight of faith. Ephesians 6 says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and having done everything to stand. So continue standing, continue believing for those areas where you're desperately seeking God to move and to have a miracle uh, transpire uh, for what you've been praying for. Because in our weakness, it magnifies our dependency upon God. And our faith, when it's lined up with his word, I'll tell you what, we will walk in a level of faith and we will begin to see those things happening. Because he says just to believe, believe. Um, when I was typing this out, all of a sudden this song came to my mind. Deb and I are a lot like that because it's like God gives her a song for everything. But I was typing this, all of a sudden the song comes in, and you guys know it. It's from Casting Crowns, and it says, But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, Do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, This is for my glory. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. Love that song. Powerful words, powerful words. Isaiah 59, 19 says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. So when the enemy starts speaking, God's voice is going to take an offense, and the truth of his word is going to cut off the lies. That's why the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is so important. So when the enemy is coming with these negative thoughts, you take the Word of God and you... It's like you're, when you speak those words, life and death is in the power of your tongue. And when you speak the Word of God, it will cut down everything that the enemy is trying to get you to believe. Because guess what? It's not going to take hold on you. 
the Word of God is more powerful. So use the Word of God. Get in and learn the Scriptures. Memorize a Scripture a week. You know, just it's important that it gets inside of us because most of the time we may not have our Bible with us, but all of a sudden we might be in a situation, all of a sudden a scripture will come to your mind, and then you just begin to start praying that. It's very important. Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? I love that scripture. Is anything too hard for, for me? Absolutely not. Nothing is too hard for God. Luke one thirty seven says, For with God nothing is impossible. If you go do a study and talk about the power of God and the faith, whew, there are so many scriptures. So if you're wanting to know what scriptures do I need to, to learn, just type that in, your, in a concordance or in your computer, and it will start listing all these scriptures. And I tell you what, they're powerful. And a lot of us already know those scriptures. So when the enemy is saying it's impossible, God is telling you with him, he does the possible. And so the times that you feel fear or you're sinking under the weight of the trials and the tribulations that you're going under, just know that he's with you and he is more powerful. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I think that's the scripture that the Lord gave Deb uh, with the passing of Lon. He says, I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And when I read that, I went, he only needs one hand to lift us up. He doesn't even need two hands. He said he's going to lift us up with his right hand. That's how strong and powerful our God is. He only needs one hand. Psalms 50 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and then you will honor me. And I think that's what that woman and Jairus did. They honored Jesus because they, he met, Jesus met their needs, and he honored them, and they honored Jesus back. So Jesus made those with dis disbelief wait outside, and he allowed those with only faith to enter the room, and they were the ones that became witnesses of the resurrection power of a 12-year-old daughter. Hebrews 11.6, again, I probably said this earlier, but it, again, it's a powerful scripture. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who approaches him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we got to believe in the God that says what he can do, and we have to believe that he can do it. There was a story I came across, I thought it was kind of cute. Um, this is a story about a little girl. She was awakened by a loud burst of thunder and a flash of lightning. And so she jumps out of bed and she runs across the house and she goes into her parents' bedroom. And she says, I want to get in bed with you and dad, she told her mother. Now, sweetheart, her mother responded, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's just a storm. Now go back to bed. Nothing's going to harm you. Besides, Jesus is in your room with you. He will take care of you. Well, the little girl wouldn't move. She said, Mother, 
you go in there and sleep with Jesus. I'm sleeping in here with Dad. <laughs> I thought that was cute. That's, that's sometimes where we're at, right? <laughs> oh, but Jarius, he was a witness twice to a 12-year miracle. He was a witness to a woman having a 12-year issue to witnessing a 12-year-old miracle of his daughter. Many of us, we all have a story. We all have stuff that we have gone through that God has pulled us out of and he's delivered us from. Um, when we went, and, and one thing is our faith is always tested. <laughs> it is tested. But I, I know that when we went on vacation, I did not plan on coming back and having COVID. That, that was not my plan. That wasn't on my register of things. <clears throat> and I didn't want it to end that way. And I remember when, because Barry took his motorcycle. And of course, he, uh, he left um, a day earlier. And he was just, well, no, he left the same day we did. But he was going to spend the night in Kentucky. And then, but we were going to just drive straight on through. But he wanted to ride his motorcycle and have it take two days. Well, when I got home, again, I didn't get the text. Brian did. And uh, so we were, we were unloading stuff in my house. And Brian goes, Janice, I just got a text from Barry. And I said, oh, what did he say? He said, he's in the hospital. He says he passed out and he's in the hospital. And I was like, I went, what? What? Any other details? Anything? No, that's it. That's all we got. So I didn't know if he had an accident on his motorcycle. I had no idea. I mean, just, you know, and then, so then I start calling him, and he's not answering his phone. And so I'm sitting here, probably the last uh, four hours, all of a sudden I started getting a scratchy throat, and then my nose was kind of dripping. And I was like, oh boy. And so when I heard that he was in the hospital, um, we, I mean, we finally, I, I thought, I said, you know what, I'm going, if I have to go get him, I need to test and make sure I don't have COVID. So of course I have like 12 tests. And so I tested myself and he immediately, I mean, I'm watching the line. It's just like, it's like two straight lines, you got COVID. And I'm like, let me take another one. So I took another test immediately two straight lines I'm like oh I've got COVID oh no and I'm like I'm sorry Brian. I'm sorry Brian I'm sorry Jade and Landon we were all riding in the car together I said I just contaminated you guys all and um and I've got COVID and so finally I, I text Barry and I said hey by the way I have COVID you might want to see if you have COVID <laughs> and so then he uh, ended up calling me finally and he said I have COVID. I said, did you read my text? No. I have COVID too. He said, you have COVID? So we're both like, yes, we have COVID. <laughs> and, and that was kind of the reason why he had passed out. So yeah, he was at, at this hotel, uh, started feeling feverish. Um, and Barry's, Barry's not a good sick person. He, he just is not good. <laughs> just not good and so so usually like if he gets the flu or something like that he's he's got fever he's shaking he's down the going <laughs> he's got a blanket clear up to here you know with his head sticking out and so 
I knew the state that he was in to because he said he passed out and he didn't know either if it was his blood sugar uh, he didn't I had his blood sugar test in my suitcase and so, and so he wasn't sure why he had passed out so he ended up just calling the ambulance of course and then they came and they got him and they did the they realized hey you have COVID um, you know gave him some fluids gave him some pain meds and then he tried to get a ride home because of course he's staying in a hotel and so they said sorry we don't have a shuttle or anything you're gonna have to walk they said well here's some phone numbers for a taxi and so he called the taxis they're like sorry we don't pick anybody up after eight o'clock weird never he said this was a small town so must not have had a bar in that town or something i don't know <laughs> drunks just walk home i guess they don't take a taxi because then it's there to pick them up after eight o'clock and so um <clears throat> he even tried to get an uber a lift he tried everything he said there was nothing in this town nobody and he's like you've got to be kidding i came by ambulance i'm sick I've got a fever because he went in with about 102, 103 temp. So he was sick. And they're like, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. And so he calls me and he's telling me all this. He goes, I have to walk back to my hotel. I said, how far is your hotel? And, he's, and he said it's like 3.8 miles. So it was almost four miles that he had to walk. He had to walk. And at one point when I was on the phone, I said, well, just... Keep, stay with me on the phone. Just stay with me on the phone. I want to make sure you're not going to collapse again, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Then what are we going to do? And so I stayed with him on the phone, and then I kept hearing this music. And I'm like, where are you at? He said, I'm walking through a pretty sketchy neighborhood. <laughs> and I said, okay. So I just began to pray and pray and pray. And, and then at one point he says, well, i got to let you go because I need my phone. Because he said, it's dark. And I got to figure out, I came by ambulance, so I don't even know how to get back to the hotel. And so I had to get off the phone with him, and I just began to pray and say, okay, God, you watch over him. You knew about this situation. And so God, just protect him, keep him safe, get him back to that hotel. And so he did. And But, you know, it was one of those things where... Well, you know... I, I, I don't know. Well, today. that's, yeah. I mean, he probably could have, but who knows? Who knows? Well, he did ask. He said, can the ambulance take me back? Yeah. Well, the ambulance is for emergencies. It's not to just give somebody a ride home. <laughs> I said, I probably would have fallen again or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so everything was working against him. And so it, it was... And small town might have been a volunteer police department. That's true. Yeah, so it was, it was just an unbelievable story is what it was. Mm -hmm. And finally when he got back to the hotel, he's like, well, I'm just going to stay there because by then I'm like, well, we could have come and got you. Okay, we'll wait till the next day. And then I said, just call me. Let me know how you're feeling. Um, because at that point, too, I was kind of, I was just more tired than anything. I did have a headache. I had a really bad headache. Second time around, this one got me more than the first one, but uh, I had more of a headache this time. And so he called me. He goes, Janice, there's no way I can ride my motorcycle. So I'm like, okay, great. Okay. And I said, I, that means I'm going to have to hook up the trailer to the truck. And I'm going to, I hate driving his truck. The truck is so big. I always 
like this when I'm driving because I can never see over the hood. It's so huge. And so he knows I hate his truck. And I'm like, I've got to drive his truck. I said, oh, God, I've got to drive. We just, you know, we just drove, you know, eight, eight or nine hours. And now we got to drive again to go back to Kentucky. And it was a five-hour drive because he was just right there. It wasn't this far. I was more this far. And so I'm like, okay, five more hours. So I ended up, I called my son, Ryan. I said, hey, can I use your trailer? It's a little bit smaller than Barry's. He goes, yeah, you can come over. So I came over, and my son came out and goes, how you doing, Mom? And I said, it doesn't matter. I got to go get your dad. And he went in and talked to Sarah. He goes, I can't have my mom drive, not the way she feels. He said, I'm just going to have to, I'll have to drive for my mom. And so I was like, thank you, Jesus. I love my son. I love him. I love, he loves his mama so much. <laughs> and so... So he did. He ended up driving, and it was a good thing because at one point I just I was feeling so um, just tired, and I I probably fell asleep for like three hours in the truck, and I told him I said, "How long was I out?" He goes, "It's okay, mom. I know you were tired." But those were things that you know we didn't expect that was going to happen, and um, you know the enemy wanted to try and put fear in me about you know exactly you know what happened to Barry, and and then all of a sudden. Um, and then this thing with Sharon happens, and I was like, what the heck is going on? This has been a really bad two weeks, <laughs> you know? And, and then we get the news of uh, my granddaughter, Hadley, and how when she was born with fluid on her brain in utero, and so she had just gone for her checkup, and they said basically that she's got 54% of fluid in her head still. And it's actually more fluid than, that takes up the space than her brain. So there's more fluid there. And so they want her to come back in three months, and they want to do an MRI. And at that point, then they'll figure out if they have to do uh, a shunt, or I think that's what it's called, in, in the back to relieve that, that, the, the fluid in her brain. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then I get a call the next day my son Ryan calls me and he says I'm at Carl Clinic I said what's going on he said I woke up at 3 a.m. with chest pains I was I was getting mad at this point <laughs> it was like I was looking down and I'm like enemy you messed with the wrong family <laughs> and I said no more and I tell you what, I was getting mad at the enemy. And I began um, just asking God to cover and, and to take every assignment that was coming against us. And I said, God, you said in your word that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. So none of this is going to prosper. And God, you're going to get the glory in everything. Every, everything that's hit us, you're going to get the testimony. We're going to give you for the glory for getting us through this. And so we know where our faith is. And I tell you what, I choose to believe. I grab hold of the faith that God has put within us, that dunamis power of God that's in us to be released in the atmosphere, in every situation that we're going through. You know, we don't have to settle for what's happening around us. I tell you what, it's time to go to battle because he has told us we are 
in a battle and he has given us the weapons the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty in the hands of jesus he's given us the helmet of salvation the righteous breastplate and when i began praying for because with sharon's heart and then all of a sudden ryan having the chest pains i said and then we had lon and what happened to him with his heart i said god what is happening well, with I the heart texas i came back from texas and then I'm, I got it. I'm getting it yes, back. Yes, yes. I, I, I still am, but I'm, I'm standing on my ground, and I keep mm -hmm. saying, okay, enemy, you have no power and no mm -hmm. control, and you aren't going to stop me from doing what I'm supposed to do. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, but I see it, and Greg has been talking about it, and he's concerned about me because I get up every day, and he says, how are you feeling today? And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I'm fine. I feel fine. I felt better, but right. I'm fine. You know, I mean, we have to stand our ground and we not do. accept it. We do. You We're know, fighting the, 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 the but fight. But the thing about it is, look at the people, strong Christian people, mm -hmm. and we're standing our ground mm -hmm. in that, that are getting attacked if mm -hmm. it's not finances, right. you know, health, mm -hmm. all different things. The enemy's really coming against the body and against yes. the church and the people standing their ground mm -hmm. because he knows his time is limited and yes, it's getting shorter and shorter. He does. I believe there is something that is Absolutely. I mean, this would not be happening. Absolutely. It wasn't the so the potential awesome. and the purpose and the calling that is that is in our lives when we're going through this, man. I tell you what. But again, when when I started thinking about the heart, I said, God, what what is it about the heart? The heart. And and again, if you look at the uh, the armor of God and the breastplate of righteousness. I mean, that covers the vital part because that's where the enemy wants to injure us. Yep. That's what will take us out is the very heart yep. and the breath that's going through our body. And so I began to pray and I said, God, I began to pray and pr ask every person that's in, within this church and all the Christians to protect their hearts. And I'll tell you what, I had never prayed that before, but I felt an urgency to pray for the hearts of every member in here and I said Satan you are not going to affect their hearts any longer their hearts is for God and he is going to restore everything he's going to restore Sharon's heart it's going to be like she has a 30 year old heart and not an 82 year old heart and so begin to pray and thank God because I tell you what we're in a battle and it is the enemy wants to test us and to have the 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 fear that would come in <clears throat> and everything, people to distract us and to discourage us. And I'll tell you what, we're going to shut them out and we're going to get along with God and we're going to believe his promise. We're going to believe his word and what it says. And I'll tell you what, I am going after God. I'll tell you what, I am grabbing hold of what's already mine. And I'll tell you what, I'm not going to let go. And I'll tell you what, he sees us as children, his children, his daughters. And so just know that you are his daughter. He has promises he has a purpose he has plans and it you will fulfill those plans and those purposes because if God's spoken it to you he will fulfill it because that means you're not done he he will fulfill the very word if it came from God it will be fulfilled before you leave this earth it will come to pass so know that I began to um, as I was finishing this, it was like all of a sudden, God always does this to me because then I start writing a prayer. So I'm just going to speak it. 
<clears throat> as I wrote it down here. And I put my, that my prayer is that you will begin to hear and believe and to know that Jesus sees you. He's calling you forth, declaring over you that you are his daughter. No longer are your hands empty, but they're going to be grasping on to your promise, your God's strength, every need, every prayer. They are reaching out and they're going to touch and receive the answered miracle. God, I pray that you would fill their minds with such belief that they cannot be shaken by any lies. And the voice of truth will amplify their minds with the word of God. I pray that their hearts will be full of faith and that their hands will take hold of every promise. Their hands would manifest the healing power of God that will bring healing to the sick. Those hands will be hands that will raise the dead. <clears throat> Hands that will do great exploits because of the explosive power of God flowing out of them. We choose to walk in your strength. We choose to walk in your grace. We choose to walk in your mercy. We choose to walk in your comfort, your healing, your love, your forgiveness, and your favor, God. We choose to walk in your abundance. And we break off the chains of fear, God. We break the chains of unbelief. We break off the chains that bind them to others who are trying to influence and keep them isolated in their trials. In the name of Jesus, we command the enemy to be silent. No longer are you going to fill our thoughts and our minds with the lies coming from the enemy. We loose we command the enemy to loose every son, every daughter of God. And I call forth freedom, freedom in the spirit to operate and to no longer be held back. I declare that you will begin to press in. Do not fear, you only need to believe. Behold, I am doing a new thing within you and I am giving you a boldness that even you will be amazed. And I am releasing a power that will overshadow you and it will be lingering and tangible because my church is rising up and my sons and daughters are rising up with healing in their wings. This is your season of breakthrough. Press in and take hold with bold faith and you will see those miracles that you have been asking to see. Those prayers to lay hands on the sick and seeing what seems impossible, possible because of the hand of God that is on your life. Those who have been oppressed and delivered will be set free because God is going to begin to use you as the vessel to cause those miracles to transpire because of the dunamis power of God that will be flowing out of you. So God, I thank you for each woman here. I thank you for each person that's listening, God, to this. And God, that you would pour out your spirit, God, upon your daughters. God, upon your, even the, the men, God, the sons and daughters of this nation, God. That you would pour your spirit out in such a mighty way, God. That our faith would not be shaken by what's going on around us. But God, that we will see you and look to you and hear you saying to us, just keep on believing so God we believe in you God we've heard what you can do and God we believe and we know that what you do God is the miraculous God you hold 
us in the palm of your hand. You created us for such a time as this to stand up and to be bold for your kingdom in this day and in this hour. So God, I thank you for the spirit of God that will rise up in each one of these ladies here, God. Having done everything, they will stand firm on your promise and on the word of God. It will be in them and they'll begin to speak the word of God. It will come out of their mouth like a sharper than a two-edged sword. God, it's going to divide the very heart and divide those things in the atmosphere. God, that it will not be able to touch them any longer. God, I thank you for their purpose, God. feels like when we're attacked more, we know why we're being attacked because our purpose is so important and the enemy knows it. He knows how detrimental we are to his kingdom because of the kingdom of God that lives in us. And so, God, I thank you for protecting each person. And right now, I say no more. We cut off every assignment of the enemy that wants to come in and try and cause division and discouragement and, God, and bring bad health upon us. God, I pray that you would protect our hearts, God, that you would restore everything, God, back that the enemy has tried to take from us. God, that we won't listen to that voice, but God, we will have faith to hear and to see and to know and to believe what you have called us to do. So God, I ask for a mighty, mighty outpouring. God, get this word. Let them hide it in their hearts, God. Let them, let them wherever they're at, God, let the spirit of the word of God rise up within them because that is life. And God, we speak life over everyone here, God. Life, God, that they will fulfill the days that you have ordained them to be here on this earth, God. And every promise that you have spoken to them, God, let that be a promise that they hear, God, that they won't be shaken and won't have fear come in because they know that the promise of God says, this has yet to be fulfilled. I am still on duty and I am still active in the army of God. God, I pray that they recognize who they are, that they will tear down those strongholds, God, of the enemy. They are powerful and mighty, God. Let them see how important they are in the kingdom of God. Their prayers are powerful. They avail with much, God. God, I thank you. God, we declare this over them. God, we declare it over this church, God, that you will fulfill what you called us to do fulfill their destiny give them boldness god god those very things that they've cried out for and god that was one thing that i've cried out for because you've said believe 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 god i pray that when we lay hands on the sick god that they will recover we will see instant miracles god that we don't have to, have to wait People don't have to continue to be in pain. They don't have to continue to, to spend all they have to go to the doctors. But God, we could call upon you. And when you say to bring forth and to, to anoint them with oil, God, you said in your word, it shall be done unto them as they believe it. And God, this is a church that believes in the mighty working of God. You are a God of miracles. God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. So, God, I declare it, and we speak it forth in the atmosphere, God, as a covering like an umbrella will shield us from the rain. God, the umbrella of your covering, God, over each one of these ladies. God, that they will experience, 
God, your spirit in such a, a tangible way. God, they will be like that woman with the issue of blood when she touched the hem of his garment, the power, the dunamis power of God. She felt it. God, that's what we want. We want to feel the dunamis power of God being released through our hands and through our lives. So God, we call it forth right now in the name of Jesus. And we declare, God, that each one of these women will be able to, to not cower in fear, but God, they will be bold to give their testimony of the goodness of God and what he has done in their life. Because God, there's someone out there that needs to hear that we still serve a miracle-working God. He didn't just come over 2,000 years ago and then die. But God, he has risen and he has given us the same power that rose him from the dead. It lives and it dwells and it abides within us. God, help us to be that witness. Help us to share our stories so that other people can hear and be moved, be moved and hear and believe in the God that we serve. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. And God, we just give this day to you. And God, we love you. And we praise you for everything that has been said, everything that has been done, God, that your glory would be manifested in such a mighty way, God, more than we've ever experienced it before. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.